Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Toyota Brookhaven services all makes and models. That could be why we were voted best service department the past two years. Come see why. Exit 40 Brookhaven or online at toyotabrookhaven.com. Great service, great savings. At Toyota Brookhaven, we deliver. This is Rebecca Turner, and thank you for listening to the Good Things Podcast here on Super Talk Mississippi. It's Mississippi's Radio Happy Hour. Well, I'm going to Mississippi, Mississippi, here I come. You're listening to Good Things with Rebecca Turner. Well, I'm going to Mississippi, Mississippi, here I come. Bringing you the good stories of Mississippi's people, places, and things to do. Now, now, here's Rebecca. Super Talk Mississippi. You're tuned into your radio happy hour. That's the good things. I'm your host, Rebecca Turner. We've got Rhino in studio today. Now, don't forget, you can listen to good things. We are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from the Super Talk Mississippi app. Of course, you can always find us, too, on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station, and you can watch good things. We are on your computer or your mobile device. Just head on over to supertalktv.com. And today, we've got two great guests joining us. First up, we've got Bill Courtney. He's a 91 Ole Miss grad. He's also the sub- subject of the Oscar-winning film. You may have heard it, Undefeated. But he's passionate about changing our nation for the better and recently launched an Army of Normal Folks podcast. It's both a movement and a podcast. And his latest guest on this show, Aaron Smith. She's the founding executive director of CASA of North Mississippi. And man, you all, I was listening to the first episode, part one of Aaron's um, show today, and you guys are up to some good. So welcome. Thank you very much. Bill, Thank I'm, you for having me. Absolutely. Bill, I'm going to start with you because I appreciated how you mentioned, I think it was in your opening of um, an army of normal folks. You don't believe our country is going to be saved by people in suits and ties who drive nice cars and sort of all the things. So kind of explain that uh, to us. And then what inspired you to launch an army of normal folks? Well, I don't have any problem with suits and ties, but I do have a problem with fancy people who use big words that nobody understands that are talking heads on news shows whose power, money, and influence is predicated on them dividing us. Um, I'm really tired of uh, the same in our political class. And, you know, there's neighborhoods that we all drive by that, you know, in every city in the country, Jackson, Mississippi, Memphis, every other city that you know, when you drive by it, you think, this is not where I want my car to break down. This is not where I want a flat tire. And as you pass by, you kind of look down that neighborhood road or over the viaduct, and you think, you know, somebody ought to do something about that one day as if the sentiment matters. And I don't think it does. And I, I suggest we kick that rearview mirror about 15 degrees to the left and think maybe I could do something about that one day. And so we are we are in a place where government is proving woefully inadequate in caring for the most disadvantaged among us and uh the smart people on Fox and CNN aren't really doing much and i just think uh it's going to take just you and me and normal folks just an army of normal folks seeing a place of need in their communities 
and filling it. And I genuinely think if there were masses, thousands of people who join in community um, as an army of normal folk around the idea of serving the most disadvantaged among us, we could fix a lot of what ails us in this country. And so your show, your podcast, An Army of Normal Folks, that's pretty much what you're doing. You're sharing the stories of normal folks like Aaron who are out there doing good stuff. Were you afraid in the beginning, Bill, that you wouldn't find enough people? Or how do you find your guests for your show? Well, I'm the host. Um, I'm like labs out of Chicago. And, you know, I don't find them. But I, I will tell you and answer your question. There are thousands of Americans that do amazing things every day, but we don't hear about them. Um, we hear about the dysfunction. We hear about the division. We hear about what divides us politically, uh, race, religion. And, and frankly, I think our social media, our national media, and our politics is incented to keep us divided because of the power and the finances they gain as a result of that division. And so we don't hear these stories of people like Aaron and the other guests we've had. And um, so they find them, and we interview them. And what I've been surprised about is how many people there are, how many unbelievable stories, and how many different sets of, of skills are being used. I mean... Aaron works with foster children. The very first guest is a is a police officer who has changed community policing. Our second guest was um, a, a bulimic woman dealing with addiction in her home who started a running club for the homeless, for goodness sakes, and in doing so has found 3,500 homeless people find permanent employment and jobs. The the third person is a guy who was in jail for 26 years of his life, and he now has the most successful reentry program in the United States in Las Vegas for former offenders. And every other guest is all kinds of different stuff. And the idea is that the show should be interesting, informative, entertaining. You should laugh. You should cry. It should be redemptive. But most importantly, Hopefully it's inspirational because all of the guests share their personal contact information. I share my personal contact information. The producers share their personal contact information so that when you do hear that story that resonates you, with you, you're not overcome with this. I'd really like to do something, but I don't even know how. Because by joining an army of normal folks, you're joining in a community of people who have done these things and... We'll get on the phone, email with you, and give you a blueprint how to start your own work and your own community uh, doing whatever it is you, you feel called to do. Um, and so it is more than a podcast. It is a show. It's supposed to be entertaining and fun, but our goal is also for it to be inspirational and informative to build a community of an army of normal folks just enabling and helping one another to do good things in their communities. 
Well, I feel like a bill. Great minds think alike because that's what we do here on Good Things. Pretty passionate, too, about sharing all the stories of the good people, places and things around our state that are positive in nature and inspiring. So that's when I saw when Aaron Smith was going to be your guest, who's founding executive director of of CASA of North Mississippi, as well as an Ole Miss grad and a Mississippi homegirl. I thought, man, these are the good things that our state needs to know about. So, so Aaron, I loved your story. I got the chance of listening to it. Um, and it's pretty lengthy, but give us a little bit of the backstory of how you got introduced to CASA and what CASA is. Absolutely. So, I, like you said, I was a graduate at Ole Miss, um, and through that, I joined uh, an organization called Kappa Alpha Theta. Um, that was my sorority in college, and their national philanthropy is CASA, uh, and it stands for Court Appointed Special Advocates. Didn't really know a whole lot about it, um, you know, throughout my, my undergrad years, uh, but I knew that it was something that I wanted to be involved in. I knew it involved um, helping our most vulnerable population, the abused and neglected children. And so when I got out of college, I said, let me look into this a little bit. And uh, I was 25 at the time, and I was like, oh, I want to start a program. And I looked at the requirements and said, oh, no, I don't think I do. And so the next thing I did was I, I looked for the closest program and um, became a volunteer advocate in the Memphis area, and I did that for four years. And what I saw, um, while Oxford and Memphis are two totally different um, communities, what I did see was there's a need for a program like CASA in every county in the, the United States. And so I came back to my community and um, looked at that same sheet of paper with the requirements, and I said, you know, this is something that – these children out here need. They need an organization that can give them a voice in the youth court and then can advocate for their best interest. And so from there, I, I spoke to some key individuals that could help me get in front of a judge to get that support from the youth court judge. And um, from there, we have grown across North Mississippi and are serving foster children um, all over the, the north part of the state. And, you know, our goal is to serve every kid that's in foster care um, across North Mississippi. So that's that's how, that's my short version of my journey that, that brought me to um, what I get to do every day that there's not a job to me anymore. It's more of a, um, a passion. It's a passion, and it's definitely doing good things and good work here in Mississippi for, you know, children that otherwise just may not have that sort of guardian angel when they need it most. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've talked a lot here on Good Things about, you know, the, the programs out there that are protecting children and working sort of on their behalf. And what I keep learning is there is enough for as many organizations who can come in and sort of coordinate efforts and also, you know, be there there to to be a hub and sort of of resources and so it excites me anytime I hear of more expanding particularly in the north where obviously there probably there wasn't um, enough I know right now you're at a hundred percent of the foster care students there in Oxford you've expanded to Tupelo and you've got so much more to your story so I hope Bill and Aaron you'll stick with us because we got more for you coming up next
Upbeat, positive, and stories that make you smile. This is Good Things with Rebecca Turner on Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm. I'm a morning time, yeah. We're going strong, heading up down the river. Welcome back to Good Things. Don't forget you can find us. We are on computer, your mobile device. Just head on over to supertalktv.com, but you can also find us, too, on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. We're continuing our conversation with Erin Smith. She's a founding executive director of CASA of North Mississippi. You guys help and reach out to foster kids and underserved kids as they're moving through the court system, Erin. So how do you get connected with them if you are volunteers? Who are you? What other organizations is CASA connected to to help do the work that it does? Yeah, so we're we're appointed by the youth court. Um, that's how we get connected to their their cases. And so we, I mean, we obviously partner with a lot of different organizations that provide resources in the communities um, with the counties that we serve. But that's how we initially get started on on these cases. And then you know we do provide some um, aftercare support for majority of our our older teens um, that could potentially age out or their case closes and. Um, so just continue to provide that support and, you know, helping them with just basic life skills. Um, you'd be quite surprised at the, the number of kids that come through the foster care system that don't know how to mail a letter, don't know how to send a package. And, um, you know, that's something that we like to provide for those kids once they're out of foster care and just the, the just regular mentorship and that support for them. I know it took 42, you mentioned volunteers in your episode of An Army of Normal Folks, to, I guess, get to full capacity there in Oxford to cover all the foster children that you needed uh, or that that they had. When you're thinking about, I guess, a larger town, I'm assuming Tupelo is going to be a larger larger area, about how many volunteers would you need, Erin, to make sure that you got to that 100% too with foster children? Yeah, you know, it's it's hard to say how many exact volunteers we would need, Um, you know, Lee County currently has about um, right at 200 children in foster care and um, maybe a little bit less. But, you know, depending on how big the sibling group is, you know, there could be five kids in a sibling group. There could be just a a single child home. Um, But, you know, right now we have um, about 16 volunteers over there, um, and we really could use about 50 more. Um, It's a very – there are a large – Excuse me. There are a lot of children in foster care that really could use the advocacy of a CASA volunteer to give them that voice to speak up for their best interests. And, you know, just to have the program itself behind them, knowing that they have somebody to depend on, knowing that they have somebody that's consistent in their life when they're moving from home to home or they're moving from school to school. Um, and, you know, a lot of times they can move to a different county, um, just depending on, you know, the availability of foster homes. Erin, if you've got someone listening and they may think, oh, I'm, I might be interested in being a volunteer, but I'm really not sure what all it requires or, um, I guess, uh, rec- um, things that they would need to have already done or a background or the time that it would take in terms of um, putting into it, because it is a volunteer position. How do you describe it to folks that may, may be on the fence or interested in it? Yeah, I'd say that um, all you need is a passion for helping people and particularly a passion for helping children that has gone through things that not many, not most children have gone through. Um, And I I hate to say children because it is children and youth. And so um, we deal with all ages 
And, you know, at the end of the day, if you, you have those two things, then you're a perfect fit for a volunteer. Um, the minimum age is 21. Um, and we do a pre-service training that's 30 hours. It's 15 hours online, 15 hours in person over a five-week period. Um, and we are we are always looking and wanting um, individuals that that really want to give back, but not give back for just a day. Um, it is a commitment, and I and I'm perfectly honest that it is not a sunshine and rainbows job. But I will tell you that the moments that it is, it outweighs all the hard times, the frustrating times, um, in this volunteer role. And you, at the end of the day. Um, are that person that that will forever leave a footprint in these children's lives and it doesn't matter if they're two years old three years old i can guarantee you they're going to remember their cost of volunteer that advocated for them you definitely didn't take the easy route out whenever you graduated from Ole Miss, Aaron. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but, you know, I was listening to Bill earlier, and, um, you know, there are a lot of normal folks out there doing great work. And I, I, if I could encourage one person today, it's, you know, if you have a passion for something and, and maybe you're scared to take that leap of faith, do it. Because if you don't follow your passion, it, it will forever live in your life as a regret that you didn't do what you thought that you could have done. Um, and that's what I did. I mean, I was scared when I started this organization, and it's it's taken off. But, um, you know, the, the people, the families, the children that we have impacted, it has made such an incredible difference. What, um, if people want more information specifically there in North Mississippi, I know CASA is a um, national organization, so there may be chapters all over. I know your um, sorority was connected with it. But if they specifically want yours in, in the area that you mentioned, Erin, um, how do they get in touch with you? Um, so they can check out, if they're interested in volunteering, we have um, future volunteer dates all the way through um, 2024. Um, they can go to our website. It's casaofnorthmississippi.com, and that's all spelled out. If they want to reach me directly, um, they can email me at esmith at casaofnorthmississippi.com. Once again, all spelled out. I don't know why I chose the longest domain ever, <laughs> but I did. And, um, of course, they can always reach me by phone. Uh, my office phone is 662-638-8900, and then my um, cell phone is 662-832-4747. Now, Bill, like one thing that you and I think Aaron have in common, looking back to your um, Oscar-winning film, Undefeated, was both just feel this urge to be mentors to maybe kids who didn't need it. And I think that's something all normal folks can do is to recognize the children that's in their surroundings, whether it's their specifically their own children, but then also their children's friends or maybe that child at school or maybe that child in their church group. How important is mentorship to being part of, of the army of normal folk? You're talking to a guy who's dad left home when he was four and I had no relationship with and whose mom was married and divorced five times. My fourth daddy shot at us inside the house. I had to dive out a window to save myself. And the only really good men in my life were my coaches, which were my mentors. Um, so you're talking to a guy who has now been married for 32 years, has four beautiful children, uh, a business, and all this other stuff I've got going on. And I would tell you, I, I don't know where I'd ended up if it wasn't for those men who volunteered and coached me as a young man and mentored me and filled a massive void that I had in my life uh, for positive male role models. Um and when I interviewed Aaron, 
uh, we were joined by somebody that she mentors named Thomas. And as interesting of a story as I just told you about myself, I still had a mom that loved me. Um, Thomas had a mom that was a drug addict and tied him up with electrical cords. And when he was four, he was institutionalized into the foster care system because she was arrested. And once he was adopted, his foster adoptive brother sexually molested him. And he kept his mouth shut because even that was better than going back into the institutionalized care. And when he finally did speak up, he was kicked out of that house, reinstitutionalized, and then at 18 years old, was dropped off by two orderlies he didn't even know with $150 on campus at Ole Miss and said, good luck. The kid never experienced true love, true mentoring until he met Aaron. And the guy made a, like a 34, 35 on his ACT on the reading or English part of it, despite all this trauma and dysfunction that he came up with and abuse. And so I feel like foster care is such a foster kid has is such a word that we all use in American culture. We know what it is, but because we say it, we become desensitized to what it actually is. And so many of these kids are traumatized and abused and have no one, no father, no mother, nobody, just an institution whose job it is to basically get them through a system, not care for them and love them. And then along comes a person like Aaron and now Thomas is a is a is a student at Ole Miss with two jobs, making his grades, going through his life, and he wants to study psychology and criminal justice so that he can stand for the for the children like him that he this that how he grew up to try to keep people from doing to other children what happened to him. It is a phenomenal story, but it's because he finally found one person to love him and care for him, and that's Aaron. And that's what these CASA people do. And so, yeah, you know, it's truly inspiring. I, I, it is, but yeah. you ask how important is mentorship? I mean, literally life-saving in some cases. Absolutely. Well, you are right, Bill. It's going to take an army of normal folks. That's you, me, and everybody listening to good things just to do the right thing. I appreciate both of your time. You can find an army of normal folks wherever you listen to podcasts. Aaron, we're welcome back at any time. Keep doing good there in North Mississippi. I appreciate it. All right. You guys stick with us. we got more for you coming up next. Don't worry. Don't do it. Be happy. Put a smile on your face. Don't bring everybody down like this. Don't worry. It will soon pass, whatever it is. Don't worry. Be happy. I'm not worried. I'm happy. Rebecca Turner. She looks healthy and sane. Good Things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi.
I'm just kidding. Indiana Jones. And it is here, guys. Those have been waiting for it. It is Friday here on Good Things. So we've got Tanya in the house to talk movies. And you got to see it. Yes. It was worth the wait. It was worth the wait. I think the last one was 2008. So Oh, and it's been a minute. Yeah, it's been a while. So when these movies all began, um, you know, the plan was to make five of them. And this is number five, so we've re- reached the end. It just took a long time to get there. It took a, and some during the middle. I mean, there some are better than others. Yeah, for sure. And I didn't realize it's been so long since I've seen them. Um, I had to refresh my memory. And you definitely can go see this one without having seen anything. I mean, they do a great job of roping you right in. But um, I had, did not realize because I was young that the second one was actually a prequel to the first one because i've always been real confused about his love interests and how they kind of swap places and who he wound up with and now i get it (laughs) it's because they were out of order a little bit when what year was the first one you said you were young yeah i think it was like 82 83 oh wow really it's the last four it's taken 40 years to make five movies yeah yeah so um you know COVID had a little bit to do with that um the crazy thing is this is the first one that has not been directed by Steven Spielberg or written um, by Lucas, um, George Lucas. And so, um, but they're both executive producers. They both definitely had a hand in it and signed off and are are very happy with it. Um, But yeah, it just took a long time. There were initially some creative differences. And then, you know, you have different people writing and I think the script was rewritten several times and um so just imagine being the script writer and getting back just red ink or like redo over and over again yeah it would have to be mind-boggling well and the interesting thing is harrison has said all along um you know don't recast this part i am indiana jones and once i'm gone indiana jones is gone i mean that that was his belief this whole time so i'm glad at the young age of 80 80? that he you know went for it and he does such a great job so it kicks off and it's actually kind of a flashback of the 40s um during world war ii and you actually see harrison ford indiana jones de-aged um it's a big sequence that initially i think they said was going to be eight minutes it wound up being over 20 minutes Um, and that kind of sets the stage for this dial um this artifact that we're introduced to and then fast forward to 1969 which is the year that these events take place in this movie and he has to partner with his estranged goddaughter uh, to go find this dial um to basically keep it out of the hands of a madman so just you know all of the fun elements of indiana jones um you know we all know he hates snakes so we get a little teaser of that which was always one of my favorite parts um in those movies um you know he's there's always been a banter between him and the female in the movie whether it was a love interest the bad person whatever and we get to see that again with um the phoebe the actress that plays his goddaughter um so everything that you could possibly hope for is here the action is incredible um it's pg-13 because you know there's violence um but the sequences where they de-age him they actually pulled some old footage 
um, from the Indiana Jones movies and from some of the Star Wars movies because they're all in the same family um, and use that with some modern, I mean, with technology and then some other modern tricks. um, And um, it's just a, a great ride. I mean, to me, these movies is what began the nonstop action that's you're on the edge of your seat you, you know it's like you don't know what's going to happen next and just when you think ah they turn the corner and there's something else you know but um anyway just lots of fun definitely worth seeing um it is two hours and 24 minutes a little long Packs not. yeah yeah so just be ready for that um but i can't recommend it more if you I like mean, the other ones you're gonna love this one yeah uh, yeah i mean and then harrison just does such a great job i mean and he's right nobody else can be indiana do they, jones do they wrap it in a bow nicely you know what they kind of leave it open now he has gone out publicly and said this is it for me that um, doesn't mean he can't pass the whip right um but um you know, he has said that, but they have certainly left it wide open. I mean, anything can happen. And I think we might see some spinoffs or other things down the road because it's just so loved. I mean, everybody loves this franchise. By chance, did the young guy who was in one of the beginning ones that ended up with the Oscar, I'm losing all the names. Oh, yeah. Did he make Short a round? Did he? Because um, he should have. Yeah, he didn't. He's not in this they one. Put him in in the very yeah. last minute. <laughs> but there is another kid in this one. Um, now, I will admit, back in the day, his character really annoyed me. When, But I was a kid, too. Um, but, and, and I had a problem. That was probably my least favorite of all the movies, and it had nothing to do with him. It was because of the monkey brains. Uh, I mean, that, that scarred me as a child. <laughs> But the little kid they have in this movie, he's a little bit older, uh, but he's still a kid, and he's like a perfect addition to the to the mix. Anything that can go up against this this weekend? Well, there is a new animated movie out this weekend. Um, it's called Ruby Gilman, Teenage Kraken, and um, it's about a 16-year-old who is desperate to fit in at her Oceanside School, uh, Oceanside High School, and nobody notices her she feels that way she feels like she doesn't fit in she's tutoring this little boy that she has a crush on and he doesn't think anything of her more than you know he's appreciative that she can do math um and then all of a sudden her mom's got this big rule and that is you do not go into the water and so one day that's where all the cool kids hang out is by the ocean water and so one day she decides to break the rules goes and gets in the water and um and it kind of makes me think of moana um as a as a doing that part of her getting into the water she discovers that she is the ancestor to this cracking queen uh, dynasty and their job is to protect the ocean from evil mermaids which is funny because we all think of mermaids as great um, but in this movie, they're not. And um, anyway, all of a sudden, this new girl shows up at school who just happens to be a mermaid, and she's the key to this little girl's fitting in. So she has to make a, a decision between, okay, do I befriend this girl and become cool like I want to, or do I, you know, carry on? Have the, you seen this one? I have not seen it. Um, but 
I think it'll do okay because the little girls aren't going to go see Indiana Jones, Mm-mm. and I feel like that's who this movie will appeal and they're to. They're going to be traumatized because now yeah. Ariel's evil. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking of Pirates Caribbean is the only other time mermaids aren't very aren't very nice in that movie. Um, but I guess there's something for everybody. Are the, are the rest just hanging in there, hanging on? Yeah, they're all still doing great. Spider Man actually was number one again last weekend. It it went back to the top. So. Um, yeah, that the flash is still out there. Um, the eternals, uh, wait, that's not the right name. Um, elemental, elemental, thank you. Um, so still a lot out there for everybody. I saw where the strike for the writer's strike is that going to influence, um, Mission Impossible or any of them being released, or are those already done? Those are all done, so I think we'll be okay. We probably won't see the effects of the strike until, you know, later. And I'm not sure how it impacts movies. Um, You know, most of it that I'm aware of is related to television and streaming services. So it probably does cross into movies, but I haven't heard of any productions halted. So it's like once that, if that script's done, they're good to go. Well, it sounds like it's that's not over yet. So no. it'll be interesting to see how that kind of rolls and sort of uh, and transpires into you know the things that we enjoy watching and doing. Speaking of streaming and all that, anything to catch up on there? Yeah, we've got. Um, I just saw today that Duran Duran has a. Uh, it's a movie. I mean, not a movie, but a a concert movie i guess you would call it it's streaming this week on paramount plus so if you're a fan of theirs that's something to check out it's called hollywood high um and they go to the site when they they first came to the united states 40 years ago and had a meeting at capitol records and that's kind of what launched their huge career here and so they do a concert on a building right next to Capitol records that's neat i love good documentaries like that yeah. even if they're not like documentaries but they're made films that are based off of yeah sort of like the true story i think that's really cool all righty indiana jones does he find the dial you'll have to watch it i knew just oh man oh how was the shirtless scene Oh, it was okay. I mean, <laughs> we, we just have to remember he's 80. And it's at the very beginning, so. <laughs> All right, stick with us. we got more for you coming up next. Rebecca Turner. She's smart and pretty. Good things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi. You can watch good things. We are on computer and mobile device. You can watch on Roku, Amazon Fire TV devices. You can even find it on YouTube. You can also watch good things on C Spire TV if you've got that. We're on Channel 70 right next to the Weather Channel, which everyone said is just hot out there. I think on times like this, the weather people should just, you know, take a few days off and just put up a sign that says still hot. 
be back later. And it's like, why even give the weather report at this point? It's just, it's that. And then we'll come back whenever anything changes, which will be a couple of days. So it's just going to be hot for your 4th of July celebration. For some of you, 4th of July is the holiday of the year. This is your favorite holiday of the whole year where you get the opportunity to be off work for a day, obviously. But then it brings about a specific type of, I guess, celebration. I mean, it's one of only, what, two that has fireworks, which I always wondered why that is. I mean, I know why... uh, New Year's, obviously, you have fireworks, and then Fourth of July. But I wonder why, why aren't other holidays celebrated with fireworks? I don't know, but now that you say that, I really want to start using fireworks with Thanksgiving. <laughs> why not? I mean, it's, it's the like, perfect opportunity. It's. I mean, I guess. I mean, do they just have the monopoly on it being, you know, New Year? Because they can't say it's just hot holidays because New Year's is not depending on where you're at. It can be really cold or just lukewarm. And then the 4th of July. I know it's like celebration, but tell me a holiday that's not really like celebration of some kind. And so how did just the two of them not Well, I mean, there are some holidays where it would feel a little weird. Like, all right, kids, we just found all the Easter eggs. Before we go to (laughs) the evening service, let's shoot off some fireworks. Well, I yeah, I guess it, but it only feels weird because it feels weird. It don't, it's not because it is weird, right? Like, I mean, it would still be let's light a um, a sparkler for Jesus. I mean, I don't know, like it could happen, um, but you do. It is your only other opportunity until the new year to play with fireworks. I'm start celebrating Columbus Day with fireworks. <laughs> Well, Disney does it like every day, oh, yeah. pretty much every night. They have fireworks. I'm trying to think of any other scenario where, in some fancy weddings, you may have a fireworks show at the end of the wedding, but you're getting on up there, and it's that's one a fancy time. wedding. It is. It happens. And I'm trying to think where are other when are there other opportunities for you to see fireworks that aren't New Year's Eve, or I guess New Year's. Well, the Mississippi Braves have fireworks just about every Friday game when they're home. And you do have a lot of, especially major league teams, like in the NFL or the MLB, where they have fireworks after wins and stuff. Or pyrotechnics, whenever they score and things like that. Someone said, no fireworks on Thanksgiving. That messes with my deer hunting. Not if you shoot them at night. I don't know. Maybe it makes them move or... I'm not... I'm not really sure. I, guess. I imagine the deer would react to fireworks similar to how dogs react to fireworks, where they're not a big fan and would probably try to get underneath something. Joe and Meridian said fireworks for Halloween. I mean, that seems a little creepy and dangerous. But but why? Because we just think it's weird. Because we have just put fireworks in this in these two, on these two days. You have 365 days, and I get it. There's some of you that are in neighborhoods or have traumatic stories with fireworks, and you're like, tell that woman to shut up. We do not want more banging or loud noises going on any other time of year. I am not protesting that we expand firework days. I'm just curious how this something that has to be a lot of fun. It's cool to look at. It's got to make these companies money. How did we get limited to only two days out of the entire year for fireworks? I'm in here laughing at myself because I, I thought of, well, metaphorically, Valentine's Day tends to have a lot of fireworks. but The good and the bad kind, right? 
Like, so maybe we should start, if you're single on Valentine's, you go out and shoot fireworks to ruin everybody else's romantic dinner. <laughs> maybe so. Maybe that can do it. I do know one thing. I feel like most of us, you have fireworks in your home that are older than probably the Halloween candy. And you have that old paper sack that's got a little bottle rocket, some sparklers, maybe some little the little things that pop and go boom, like when you throw them on the little snap, pops. little snap pops or whatever. And there was that one time you went and you bought too much and you, you just sort of or you went whenever they had the sale and you stocked up. And so they just kind of hang out. And some people take their fireworks seriously. Oh, absolutely. Like they will they will save for the six months and then buy a Maybe whole that's why bunch. there's and then only two. save for six months and buy a whole bunch. If you do partake in fireworks, just do it safely. Don't aim it at anybody. Watch your fingertips. And keep a water bucket around. Yeah. That way if anything goes wrong, you at least get water. You can drop it in the water bucket or you can throw the water from the bucket on something that went wrong. Absolutely. All right, stick with us. You got more for you up next. You got the boys with sports talk from 3 to 6. Rhino and I will meet you back here Monday at 2. But until then, I hope you all find time for the good things. Mississippi Media Production.